So like this child vomits on the stairs and this woman (laughs) is trying to get down the stairs. She trips and falls into the vomit. And so that whole moment was actually, I would have been laying in vomit on the stage, just casually having this conversation with Usher, then having a heart attack and dying. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Quincy. And my name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men from Theaterly. We are here to talk, and maybe scream, about our favorite women in musical theater. Why you do what you do, that's the point, all the rest of it is chatter. Look at her, she's crying. Are, would you be the baker's wife and I would be the baker if of the two of us? Hmm. Could I sing the baker's wife? Yes. Well, sure. Um, I am going to, huh. I kind of think, well, you go ahead, you go first. I was going to say, I think we both bring very interesting colors to both roles. However, if I was going to watch a Sentimental Men production of Into the Woods, I actually think you should be the baker's wife. I'll give you that. I, that's what I was going to say, too. Not selfishly, but because I think that the baker like thinks about everything and the baker's wife is the one that's like... Let's just do it. And I feel like that's a fun dynamic for the two of us. Yeah. I also think that the baker's wife takes a smarter actress than I would be. And the baker, <laughs> you can kind of like take some time to figure it out, you know, and get the beats. Sure, baker's wife right. needs to be a little more fluid. <laughs> anyway, hello and welcome back to Sentimental Men. I know that we're like so in Into the Woods zone. The cast recording has come out since you and I have last spoken on microphone. Uh-huh. Thoughts? What have you been listening? What tracks have you been listening? <sighs> to on repeat okay what tracks have i been listening to i love to listen to no one is alone because i love the way uh philippa and brian darcy james sound together singing that song Mm. is mm, mm, it's in my ears also obviously listen to moments in the woods a hundred times over because i'm I'm acting it you know i'm like in my room lip syncing i'm acting it and finally, mm-hmm. justice for any moment and moments in the woods, two separate tracks, never before on a Thank cast God. album. Thank God, because as a Cinderella's Prince, you can relate. We understand the importance <laughs> of any moment, but it's not what I'm trying to listen to when I, <laughs> when I go to that right. track on the album. Although I will say I have been listening to that track pretty regularly from this recording. I don't know why, because it's not even one of my favorite songs from the show. I mean, I know why, and it's Gavin Creel, like... He sings it. He sings it different than anybody. I have been listening to... I mean, this cast recording is all about Cerebrellas for me. No Tino shade to anyone else. I just think that, like, what I am taking away from this cast recording are all of the Cerebrellas tracks because it's so different than any other Baker's Wife that I've heard or that we have on recording. Uh Uh-huh. So Moments in the Woods... Maybe they're really magic, which is also separate, which I don't think is separated on the OBCR. Is that correct? It's not. And I had never, um, it is correct. And it had never bothered me. But then having this, the option now, I'm like, okay, I could see how it's it's two different mm-hmm. vibes. But I've always liked it as a package, you know? Oh, see, I like it separate because I can just listen to that. <laughs> I don't listen to, which maybe I should revisit, the revival, the first revival cast recording. Like with Vanessa Williams? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I actually really like that recording because I love Laura Benanti. I love her voice a lot. So true. Controversially, I do not love the ending of On the Steps of the Palace that 
is in the first revival cast recording when she's like, what on the steps of the palace, in the belly of the wolf, and the steps of the palace. And it's like her, Jack, and Little Red. And it just, oh, it doesn't do it for me. You'd probably love it, right? Like, I'm I'm guessing yeah. it, it, it would appeal to your sense of showmanship, I think. I'm imagining just, that, I don't know if you're going to get this, that song in Little Mermaid where you have Triton, Sebastian, Ariel, and the prince all singing their quartet, if only. Am I going to get it, Quincy? How many voice recitals did I sing that song at? <laughs> oh I God. love the quartet. Well, yes, it's very that. It's like, yeah, um, love it. she goes like, uh, uh, and you learned something too. And then Jack is like, and I've learned something too. And then she's like, something you never knew. And then Little Red goes, and uh, something you never knew. And then they sing something that I never, never, never knew before. And it does this like pretty, pretty chord. It's very pretty. It just takes me out of the world. Okay, today we are talking to the one, the only, Tony nominee, Elle Morgan Lee. Otherwise known as My Date to the Tony Awards. Hey! Yeah, wait. Tell that story before we get into anything else. The story is I if you want to. have the great fortune of working on the great musical that is A Strange Loop, now playing on Broadway. And Elle Morgan and I have developed a friendship, and she was so kind and really made my life. I like to think that she knew how much of a big deal this was going to be for me, and she was like, you know what? Let me just throw this kid a bone. And asked me to be her date to this past Tony Awards. And it was a night that I will never forget. I will be forever grateful for that experience. And honestly, just to like be by her side and witness the night from like that point of view was such a cool, cool experience that I really can't believe happened. Yeah. Even now. It was exciting for me too, to, because every time they cut to her, you were right there. So it was exciting because I've I never like known somebody at the show. You know what I mean? Like I've never like yeah, seen yeah. a friend. So it was fun. And I will say that that night, every time you were shown on TV, I would get like 12 text messages or like DMs that are like, oh my God, wait, did I just see Quincy on the... <laughs> You know, it was super fun. And like we did talk about that because that was a big thing for her too was that moment where like all the nominees they like read the names and all the squares are up on the screen and everything. And it yeah. was like very nerve wracking. I was like, am I going to be smiling? Am I going to be grinning next to her? What do I want? Do I, I don't want to pull focus. Like, what do I do? It was, I didn't talk it's about pressure. that. Her. That was my internal monologue. It's pressure. And it is funny. Cause like, you always wonder why everyone's looking up in the thing when their box is on the screen. And it's because like, you're sitting in an audience and the stage is far away and there's cameras all over the stage. So like, you're kind of watching oh. the whole award ceremony, even though you're there in person, you're watching it on the television. So then like, there oh, is a giant camera in front of you, but they place there for a while. So you're kind of just watching and then you don't realize that it's about to happen and you're like oh shit <laughs> oh well that's good to know for planning purposes the next, next time, time i'm next time you're there yeah <laughs> so yeah that was really fun and now she is gracing us on sentimental men with her presence and we are so excited quincy i know that you have a choices options and bootlegs for me from ms l morgan lee but before we get to that can i do a little l morgan lee bio section please 
Great. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so as we know, as we just spoke about, Elle Morgan Lee made her Broadway debut in 2022 in A Strange Loop as Thought One. That was a performance that earned her her first Tony nomination, which also marks the first time that an openly transgendered actor has been nominated for a Tony. Hold for the applause. We are in the presence of a legend. Elle Morgan originated the role of Thought One in the show's off-Broadway run at Playwrights Horizons. Um, um, and after the run of that show, she won an Obie Award. She was the recipient of the Mark O'Donnell Prize for Emerging Theater Artists. And she became the first <clears throat> openly trans actor to originate a role in a Pulitzer Prize winning show. Once again, we hold for wow. applause because we are in the presence of a legend today. Elle Morgan can also be heard on the Rainbow Lullaby album alongside literally everybody from Broadway that we're obsessed with. And she can also <laughs> be heard on Joe Iconis' album and on a bunch of audiobooks. The lady is busy, as we like to say. She truly is. I'm so excited to see what comes next for her career. I feel Me like she's such a unique talent that is going to do some really cool stuff. I agree. And like Strange Loop in general, I'm sure we'll get into this, but for me, probably for obvious reasons, A Strange Loop resonates so much and it's been so cool to see the journey that the show has had on Broadway. I remember when it was at Playwrights before the pandemic, a friend of uh -huh. mine asked me if I saw it and I was like, no. And he was like, well, you absolutely must. Like you should. I never did get around to seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> but that inspired me to listen to the cast recording and I like bought the script and read it and became obsessed. So it was just a cool full circle moment to get to work on it later after developing such a connection to the show. Can I give you a choices, options, and bootlegs? I would love it if you did. Movie. So I had two videos in my mind when I was thinking about this, but the one I chose is because Funny Girl seems very topical right now. It does. And this video is Miss L. Morgan Lee singing My Man from oh. the Funny Girl movie, but it's also, so I just went on a TikTok deep dive. Julie Banco posted this TikTok being like, I know you all want my man back in the show, but let's take a second to think about the song and it's like history. And she kind of explained, so don't quote me on this because I watched uh, TikTok and now I'm telling all of you about this. She kind of explained that the song originated as this French jazz standard. And then it was translated and became kind of this like cabaret standard and then was put into the funny girl movie mm -hmm. to replace music that makes me dance. If I ever sound like I'm misspeaking, please tell me. No, this is ringing true to me so far. But the current production on Broadway does not have that song. It has music that makes me dance because it's the stage production of Funny Girl. Mm -hmm. And Julie Banco, I think when Leah Michelle was going in, there was a lot of talk and rumors about maybe they were adding the song to the production for Leah because she did such a stellar performance of it on Glee. Uh-huh. Which like to this day I still remember. Like that was a real awakening for me as like a musical theater girly. Watching that on screen, <laughs> it's crazy. I can still in my head like picture the face that she makes when she hits that alright. Like <laughs> truly crazy. <laughs> <laughs> However, Julie was like, the song is problematic. The song is literally about like a man can do whatever he wants to you. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. I'm still gonna like come crawling back to him. The original song talked about the man beating her, but it doesn't matter, all that kind of stuff. And she was like, I think it's best that we leave this in the past and let Leah Michelle and Barbara Streisand have their very well-documented performances live on. But like, we don't need to keep performing mm -hmm. the song in the show every night, which I thought was a salient mm -hmm. point. Song still slaps though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where 
where I was like, couldn't we have like rewritten the lyrics? I have I ears. <laughs> um, but Elle Morgan it does a has a great cover of this on YouTube, and she's locked in. She is performing. You get a real tear from her, and like her Ooh. voice is just so specific and unique to me, and hits in a way that other female voices don't. Um, and it really shines through in this cover and the way that she sings mm-hmm. it and hits the notes is so addicting. I would highly recommend Ooh. everyone go, we'll post it, but go take yeah, a watch yeah, yeah. of this performance. My man, Al Morgan Lee, YouTube it, you'll find it. Al Morgan Lee is here with us today. Thank you so Ooh. much for joining. I feel so special being asked to come. Oh my god. <laughs> this has been a long time coming. I've been waiting for this moment. I know. <laughs> Me too. Okay, so we start every interview with what is a wicked touch point in your life that you have? It can be anything you want it to be, but we found that every actress in this city has some <laughs> sort of a touch point with wicked. I have two touch points in that I won the lottery. Um, <gasps> the way that I saw wicked, I've only seen it twice. Both times were wow. because I won the lottery. Um, and they were both on times where it was just by chance, uh, groups of people wanted to go see the show and it was like OG cast. So it was, it was oh my God. the original with, um, and, and you like, won that lottery twice. Twice. The first time I went, Kristen was not in. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. so I saw just Idina and then Kristen's understudy. Um, and then I was like, well, I have to go back to see what the show is with Kristen as Glinda. And then yeah. I went back and was like, let's just try this lottery again. We'll see if it works. Sure enough, was right back in the lottery, won, uh. and got to see full OG cast. I'm and so I didn't even realize the your line in the Tony winning best musical, A Strange Loop. One of the lines that you have is, I like this and I like Wicked. And that came to me just now. That wasn't even something I thought of before. Oh, wow. <laughs> on this Wicked and podcast. And here I am on Wicked's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little younger, a little younger than that patron. <laughs> a little more blonde. <laughs> a little more blonde. A little closer to Glenda and not. <laughs> I would like to see it, honestly. Yeah, what part would you want to do in a perfect world? If you had to do Wicked and be in one of those tracks, what do you think would be El Morgan, would fit El Morgan? Oh, I mean, Glenda all the way. I, I, I'd kill for a crack at Glenda. The thing is, I just, unfortunately, I cannot sing Glenda the way I would like to be able to sing Glenda. Um, mm-hmm. I have, I'm, I'm a bit of a snot about the sounds. So I would want to have, if I'm gonna do it, I want her to be able to have that soprano cup all the way through that upper. I wanna be able to do all the high options. <laughs> to me, it's yes. like, it ain't fun <laughs> for me unless I'm going like, unless I'm really gonna to get to go there. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, and then a chance just to sort of go from that right into like the, the couldn't be happier sequence is like. Mm. Oh, sure. It's it such is. a it's like perfect. delicious acting section. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is, but I just think, in particular, that couldn't be happier sequences. Fantastic. Yeah. I would love to see that. Just that, that I could couldn't do. be happier. That yeah. I could do. Today. Maybe YouTube. We talked about your My Man YouTube video in the intro. Maybe that's the next video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have actually, it, it has been on the list for quite some time, but it's one of those ones that I'm like, I don't want to do it unless it's done right. 
Yeah. Um, like it's like, I'd, I'd want it to be that and like popular are two where I'm like, if I were going to play with them, I want to be able to play with them in a full out, like great camera yeah. work, great everything sort of situation. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause those are those two big powerhouse yeah. songs. It's and like, you can't half step them. Yeah. They're just, and it's just, they're also just so much fun. I don't want to look back and be like, ah, oh, the camera wasn't the greatest quality or the, the yeah. look was, I, I want it to be like full out. Cause I feel like people don't realize how much a creative you are outside of being this brilliant actress. You have so many other facets to your creativity that I'm excited to talk about. But before we get into that, let's do a brief preamble of A Strange Loop, best musical at this year's Tony Awards, which we went to together. (laughs) Talk a little bit about A Strange Loop and how it came into your life, because you've been with it for a long time. I've been with it since 2015. Um, and I received a message in my DMs from Michael R. Jackson, um, saying, I got your name from a friend and this piece that I'm working on, I'd be, I'd love if you could come and do the reading. He actually saw a video on, of me singing Part of Your World. And that's what made him reach out. It was a version of Part of Your World <laughs> that I arranged for a cabaret, like a solo show that I did. Yeah, so I took a look at the clips that he sent me. And I remember thinking like this music is far more raw than anything I've ever heard in terms of the language being used in musical theater. Um, mm-hmm. And his sure. POV is very like uh, unapologetically his own. And I'm all about artists who can truly be themselves and just like kind of lean into that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, why not? Let's give it a try and see what this thing is. And that reading, mm-hmm. in that reading, I was introduced to the patron in which I was like, hmm, interesting. In this piece that's so full of all of these other vibes, there's this sensible Carolee Carmelo moment that, <laughs> that I will probably never get to do in another show. So, you know, I'm going to hold on to this thing and kind of see what it shapes up to be. Little did I so know. So that moment, sympathetic ear was there from the beginning? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, it was a part of a much larger number at that point. I mean, there was also, in the mind of Michael R. Jackson, um, you know, there's always a little bit more complexity. And <laughs> that particular moment came in the middle of a much larger piece where the entire cast sort of opened a song saying, please watch your step on the way down. Someone just vomited. So, like, this <laughs> child vomits on the stairs, and this woman <laughs> is trying to get down the stairs she trips and falls into the vomit. And so that whole moment was actually, I would have been laying in vomit on the stage, um, just casually having this conversation with Usher, then having a heart attack and dying. (laughs) So, you know, we, we we are grateful that 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 the For sympathetic the ear gets process. to live on um but there were also to walk off stage she gets to actually leave the stage there is no vomit she has a sensible capelet however there were versions of the scene that i think were like so much fun that sort of showed other sides of her mm-hmm. one that discusses you know some adult pictures that came out about a certain young man on a TV show called Cookie and Lucius mm-hmm. and how those pictures and that young man make her moist. And, and <laughs> how even at this age, the moistness <laughs> never goes away. Um, you know, there was this sort of sexualizing her element that like I was kind of a fan Ooh. of. And so for yeah. me, like all of those things have been kept in my sympathetic ear today. Only I know what all those scenes were, the things that sort of got cut out, but 
they've all been sort of a part of the reason why she was there, sort of what was going on with her life that, you know, this was, you know, she never knows when this is going to be the last trip because, you know, mm-hmm. in previous, in previous incarnations, there was, she was battling with something that sort of could take her any day. Um, so there's just lots of reasons for like extra stuff under the, under the fabric of who she is that I've sort of mm-hmm. held on to just because I got to do all those incarnations. So you kind of touched on it, but I think it's interesting. Jan mentioned to me once that there used to be, the opening number has not always been the opening number, the opening no. number of A Strange Loop. No. And it used to mention like people doing cocaine in the bathroom and all this stuff. I was, a ch- I was, I was in the opening number before I was the mother of a child um, named Abby, who I sort of screamed at. Actually, I, was, <laughs> I mean, actually, I kept thinking about Carolee Carmelo during that too. Um, because there was there was a moment where she's like, "Abby, where'd you put?" It's like this sort of Abby, where'd you put your American Girl place doll? Is what she's screaming. Um, yeah. And then I turned into the child who is screaming, "I can't find my brand new American Girl place. I can't find my brand new American oh. Girl." So that big black and queer ass American. Used to be, I can't find my brand new American Girl Place doll. Was this child screaming? Uh, in which, in a workshop, in a movement workshop, I was being thrown across the stage by people, like this child just getting thrown all over the place. Yeah, and then we started, you know, incorporating this word queer into the show. And then mm-hmm. we came back after we had finally all learned the words to the opening. It took us quite some time. And then we showed Sorry. up, and it was a whole new opening. <laughs> which is the one that we have today. <laughs> is there anything besides the like other iterations of Sympathetic Ear that you that you miss or that you wish you could have brought pieces of all the way up to the current iteration? Uh, well, certainly that... <laughs> I think like there were elements of... Just elements of... Um, it's interesting because in many ways I feel like I am bringing them to the current iteration because I know that they're there. They're yeah, just the audience mm-hmm. doesn't see them, so they don't right. get to hear the text in the same way. And I and I actually get the why that's the case because it would have started to feel like the scene was being dragged out longer than it needed to be right. for this mm-hmm. particular telling of the show. But yeah, I feel like they're all with me. So yeah. And how lucky for the people who see you that they get to see all of those other versions. Yeah, because no one else will know those. And no one else yeah. does know those. None of the That covers, doesn't go in the stage notes, you know? Yeah. Like, And I won't talk about them. I won't, I won't tell because that's <laughs> my Not until the memoir. That's my piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true that you almost didn't do the playwright's run of Strange Loop, right? Like you were going to leave the production prior mm-hmm. to the playwright's run. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, because I started transition through the process of development of A Strange Loop, Um, Mm -hmm. And so the human that the creative team saw and sort of thought that they knew in the first presentation of the show was very different than the human that I was becoming as we sort of developed the piece. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I more and more felt like it wasn't my story to tell and that, you know, I care about the story and think that sort of how the story is being told is important. The lens through which the story is being told is very important. Um, And so I did not think it was my place to be. And I didn't, I'm not someone who's going chasing behind places that I don't belong. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I think that like, it'd be better if I step away and make room for the human who should be telling this story. And I will be there in the front row. I will cheer you all on, but I will do that from the audience. And Was they, that going to be an easy decision or were you emotionally invested at this point? I was emotionally invested. I did not want to leave, but I also thought that that was just the right thing to do 
artistically and just just as a human. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm loopy-doopy and then I believe that the universe puts in front of you what you're supposed to have. And so I try not to act out of a space of scarcity, this idea of like, well, there's not enough work, so what am I... That's not energy that I find to be helpful. Um, so I feel like if you, you know, make room, the things that are supposed to fill that space will come. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was like, this is an opportunity to make room both for the space, but also for me as I'm transitioning and starting to really get more comfortable in my skin and figuring out what that skin is at that time, really. And yeah, so I thought it was the right thing to do. And they met me quickly. They were like, let's have dinner. Let's have a chit chat about it. Um, and they were like, we've been talking about you behind your back, so we should probably do it with you here so that you kind of know where our heads are and what we're we're thinking. And we do believe that the piece, um, will have the potential to reach more people with you staying and us. Mm -hmm. And it's then on us to try to make sure that we are doing the work to address the things that you, that make you feel like you don't actually belong here. We want to be able Mm -hmm. to do the work on those areas so that you do feel like you do, like that you belong and that you do feel like this is a space that feels safe and right for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was certainly not something that an actor is used to hearing in that process because for the most part, people just go, oh, great. Well, you know, thanks for the work and sayonara. Right, yeah. And that was not the case here. So I was more than happy to stay and sort of see how things would ride out. <laughs> and yeah. boy, did they. <laughs> yeah, and, and things have certainly gotten, I mean, look, I mean, I think there's conversations that could be had about the looking back at that conversation and sort of sort of piecing no. out, like, was that work fully done? How was that process? Sort of what, what does that look like? That's certainly something that could be discussed. But I, again, I think that the universe puts in front of you what you're supposed to have in front of you. And so here we are mm-hmm. today, and with things having happened that I never imagined happening and me feeling that much more comfortable just in my own skin and now knowing better than ever sort of ways to ways to ask for the things that I need or ways to ask for the (laughs) things that that I think will make rooms more safe or more accessible or more productive for people who are somehow gender expansive or just people who are different than the others in the room yeah Mm -hmm. because to me I mean Almost in every way, you are like the queer piece of the puzzle for this big black queer ass musical, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And like your presence does elevate it in that way. Your track, has it evolved from the beginning to now as you transitioned or was it the same day one as it is now? I had, I mean, I pretty much had the same things. I, I mean, I was Nala for a little bit through the process. Um, oh, um, Rafiki was not always there. Um, so I mm. was, I was, I was Nala for a while. Um, and there Rafiki was, is my favorite thing you do in the show now. Perhaps because you know me a bit closer. So you know that I could not be more different. I could not be farther away from a human than that. Um, <laughs> that is the moment in the show for me that I, to this day, am a little uncomfortable with because I'm like, mm. I have no idea how is this reading to people because I've made a choice and I am just going with that choice. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I've had some other lines here and there that have been dispersed to other people, but I think it being dispersed to other people also just made more sense with those, with those particular tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, there are a couple of the mom lines that are, that, uh, I used to have that have not have sort of been put, get divvied up to someone else, um, to different people. Yeah. Like there's been like little switch arounds here and there. 
Um, but for the most part, my track has been pretty much the same. I do, you know, there was this character, there was this character that used to be in the show that I kind of wish was still in the show that was in, in like the parent scene with Usher. There's like a convert, they mention this friend of Usher's that like, haven't you started dating her or gotten her pregnant or that kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that uh-huh. character actually used to have a little scenelet with Usher in the show. Um, oh. which I think like in particular as a black woman, it is, it, it would be really lovely to see in the show. It would have been lovely to see in the show, Usher having a black friend that's a woman that, that he like loves and cares about and like is really great friends with. And that sort of understands him and helps him talk about or talk through things that he mm-hmm. can't really talk to other people about. Mm-hmm. It would have been kind of cool to and see And it was that. a genuine moment. It wasn't yeah, like a gospel play moment. It wasn't like a gospel play moment at all. It was very much just like two friends kind of having a conversation. I think that there are some elements looking at that, looking back at that now, I think there might've been some elements to that that would take away from the sort of constant torturing that Usher is experiencing that might character actually is the one that sort of doesn't do so maybe that was a part of the factoring i have no idea but i do think that it, it in this piece that has so much to say it would be cool to see the areas where like usher is being sort of heard and supported yeah mm-hmm. you did mention in another interview that your thought your character is kind of the only thought that usher has that isn't constantly berating him with negative yeah. self-talk and that was eye-opening to me i had never connected those dots I think it's interesting because because it's always it's also always presented in a way where she could be another one who's about to go in on him. But then there's always that slight turn where you're like, oh, 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 interesting. She, she she's nice. <laughs> you're like, or 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 she or she cares somehow in this moment. Because right. like my right. guardian starts off with a little bit of a of a dig, but then is like actually asking questions that makes sense and that would make the writing more specific and make the writing better and like why do you want to do this like why do we need intentional questions yeah it's like the right kinds of questions that writers need to hear that like helps you to really be able to put your feet in the sand and like stand firmly on what you're saying so moving away from strange loop as like in our show sure take us back to when you found out that strange loop was coming to broadway when did those rumblings start happening Ooh, we we started getting an idea that there was a conversation about Broadway before there was any kind of confirmation that it was even possibly going to happen. Um, oh, so, really? So, like, there was... When we found out we were going to Woolly Mammoth, there was sort of a, you know... And if we go to Broadway, we'll want to start to discuss what that looks like. So playwrights, there was no Broadway talk? There was no... No, there was no idea that we were going to Broadway after playwrights. We okay. were like, we're done. The show's going to close and like, wonderful. You know, if it transfers, maybe at some point, but who knows, but show's closed and here we go. Um, And then that award season hit and all of a sudden people started being like, oh my gosh. Like I remember, I remember being at my computer um, working on something and getting a text, like a Twitter notification. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Twitter. And I was like, and it was like, like the featured actress category at the Lortel's. And I was like, oh, I was like, wait, what? You weren't even keeping an eye out for that kind of stuff? No, because I I mean, like the show closed and I was like, great, you know, we're done. So, great. And so I didn't even know like when any of those nominations or things came. Like I'm not someone who paid a lot of attention to that stuff. Um, Mm. And so I got that tweet. I remember getting that tweet and like immediately just like 
bursting into tears because this is how I just respond to everything. Um, <laughs> but, but like literally like was like, oh gosh. And, and for me at that moment, it was like, oh, someone like acknowledged like my work. And like, it was, it was particularly touching because that run at Playwrights of a Strange Loop for me was really scary and new. And it was the first show that I had done in front of New York City fully as myself. And like, uh, like I was nervous about how I was going to be seen. I was terrified of like the ways that people would talk about the show, how I might be talked about if people would somehow misgender me or like not see me clearly. <laughs> um, and like actually the whole opposite happened a lot where like people were like, why, why is this, why is this random black lady in the show? Um, and like, the, the, <laughs> they, like, they, like, and, and, and like, which was uh, that affirming to you? In, in the some, moment? In some moment. I mean, I kind of laughed because it was, like, not what I was expecting people to say. And yeah. so yeah. it was, like, how would the team respond to this was my question then. Because if uh, someone were to say, why is this lady on stage in the show and this piece that's supposed to be this, you know, big queer show, why is there a lady there? Number one, <laughs> women can be queer. Um, <laughs> number one. <laughs> um, queer does not equal gay, despite what everyone seems to believe. Queer is far yeah. more expansive and inclusive than that. But then, what what I did not want them to say in response is, you know, why is there a woman on stage? I didn't want them to be like, oh, she's trans, because that also is not the right way to look at any of that. Right. Um, and and it actually asks the team to to actually answer the question as if it were cast today. Why is there a woman on stage in this in this show? Why is a woman necessary? To me, it's the, it is the the easiest response in the world that in the mind of this, in particular of this particular gay black man, if we're mm-hmm. having people like you know people living out sort of the the embodiments of what might be in his mind, of course there's at least one woman. Like right. that's yeah. not. I mean, the, in particular, this gay black man. There's probably a few. Every gay has that middle-aged woman that they are, that they idolize and they take their advice from and they learn from, you know what I mean? Oh, that's interesting. Does every gay have a middle-aged confidant slash mentor in their life? (laughs) Not actually, but in the same way, I think gay men idolize middle-aged women. Capital G, capital G. Yeah, 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 I can see that. Because there's like the obsession with like the legends. Yes. Right, right. The divas. Mm -hmm. And the stature that comes with like, a rich lady seeing the Lion King, I love her, you know? Like, <laughs> she if she's buying things at the gift the gift if counter. She has a window. She's card. got money. And I I you know, like that stature is just something I think we all like recognize and are obsessed with. And I think like so of course that of course she's an Usher's brain. It's funny because I miss I used to have a little cup at Playwrights. At Playwrights I had I <laughs> I had the I had the the, the poster under my arm. And a Lion King cup on my other hand. (laughs) I was holding it. I've gone through, there's been moments where I had like the purse where I was eating like candy as I was going through it. Right. Um, If she's buying stuff from concessions. I mean, this, she has everything. I mean, she's probably got a glass, a couple glasses of wine. She's got candy. She's got the the soundtrack, the script. Like, I think she gets everything every year just to say that this is from the 2022 trip. This is from the 2020 trip. Each year, one day, these things will be so, so worth so much money. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> these okay, so back to finding out when Strange Loop went to Broadway, 
Woolly Mammoth. I think externally the perception is when everyone found out that A Strange Loop was doing a production in DC, that was like, okay, this is the pre-Broadway, it's gonna come to Broadway. Was that your perception, being in it? Actually, what we believed is that this was their way of sort of making sure that people remember that the show is around and that, and that the, I, we thought that this was part of a plan to sort mm-hmm. of make sure that the people that could get us to Broadway would be thinking about Broadway. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, clearly it all worked because <laughs> there we were. But uh, yeah, and so when we found out, I mean, there had been a little bit of, we were in the middle of like conversations about contracts and stuff. So there was all of that part of it going. And then when we found out that it was that we were actually going, I remember being in my apartment in DC. I remember just hearing that we had our like Zoom together to find out about it. And then we were told Zoom. we can't say anything, of course, because <laughs> because you can't say anything because it hasn't been announced. Um, yeah. And so we were like, okay, well, you know, the show is going to Broadway. Excited that the show is going to Broadway. Now let's see if we are. <laughs> because right. uh, now we start having to really pay attention to these negotiations and things happening to see if we are gonna go. And like, and yeah. honestly, at that point, I was very much like, I don't know. I would love to yeah. have this. I want it to work out, but I also gotta feel appreciated. Like, I also have to feel like I'm I'm being compensated for the work and for mm-hmm. you know yeah. the fact that you've been with this project for this many years and mm-hmm. many of us have taken a lot. So of- you weren't in a place of, I'm just going to get to Broadway no matter what, oh God, regardless no. of what the situation is. No. Gotcha. I'm too, I, I, I just feel a little too old for that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like if I were 22, maybe that would be the mission, but I'm like, I haven't been, I hadn't been to Broadway yet and have count. I've seen countless friends go do Broadway shows and have a variety of experiences in those shows. Right. So for me, yeah. it was very much like, I want it to be, I want to be able to really be excited about the process and what it is and feel valued and all those great things before you go in. I got to feel like there's a real reason to be there other than just to get that debut. Um, because mm-hmm. that that thing, it's always going to be a little different than you expect it to be anyway. So like you want it to, you want to know that you're being taken care of. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that process of getting the show up on Broadway, because I remember early on when you all were still in rehearsals, I voiced to some of you that I think that I was about to witness a very cool trajectory for all of your careers. And I likened it at the time to watching like the Rent cast kind of explode Mm -hmm. onto the scene in this like Mm -hmm. big press flurry. Mm -hmm. What was it like being in the eye of that storm? Because The Strange Loop did have a very big moment around opening and around the Tony Awards. Expectations versus reality. Oh, good question. I didn't have a lot of expectations because it was my first time. There was so much going on that I couldn't really sort of process things in the moment I was just trying to get through and at the Mm. same time because we are living in you know COVID times I was trying to get through and like at that point praying with every COVID test that I'd be okay sure especially after nominations happened I was Mm. like I have to be at the Tonys right um but I think it was like I just have to be at the Tonys if I can make it to not get COVID until, you know, if I can get COVID on the 13th, that'd be great. Because then at least I've gotten through it. And right. Then I can, Take a break. Like, yeah, yeah. And then, then I can get my days off that everyone else got in this process <laughs> that I did not. And I still have not. Yeah, I mean, expectations were I had none. And reality was it was quite a storm. Um, and you just sort of are watching, watching my social media go crazy, watching like 
you know, people come to the theater sort of looking for you, watching, sort of walking mm-hmm. down the street and having people know who you are all of a sudden, which mm-hmm. is so interesting because, like, there are moments where, like, if my hair was different coming out of the stage door than it was in the show, mm-hmm. sometimes people don't recognize me, which I still think mm-hmm. is a little crazy, but I get it. Um, but then I could yeah. get a block away from the theater and they'd be like, is your name El Morgan Lee? And I was like, oh, yes. And then they were like, I yeah. saw you. And they were like, oh my God, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> so like that situation was sort of cool to see starting to happen yeah. where people, and then like getting messages from people in particular from, you know, people who are gender expansive in some way or trans or non-binary or getting messages from folks or hearing people say like, the community knows who you are and we're watching you mm-hmm. and we're supporting you. And, like that kind of stuff was really helpful. Um mm-hmm. It made me feel like the responsibility was a lot bigger than I knew. Right. That's yeah. for yeah. me as a human. It just made me go all of a sudden people care what you have to say and people are listening to you. Even if it's not the people that you necessarily, it's not always the people that you want quote unquote to be like the people that you're talking to with like intent that you're like, I need you to hear what I'm saying. They might not yeah. be hearing you, but the people who are hearing you are the ones who, who you who you really care about and who you, who you do want to listen to you. And they might yeah. not be the movers and shakers in the mix. They might be the people who just need to hear your voice to know that there's someone trying to speak up for us all in that way. So there was a, an element of like, I do not consider myself an activist because I think that word has a lot of responsibility around it that I am not mm-hmm. necessarily willing to take on. Mm-hmm. But I but I do believe that all of a sudden I felt like the things that I say that there is there is a sort of responsibility behind them mm-hmm. that I yeah. that I really think is important. And I I mm-hmm. I pressure myself sometimes a little bit too much to adhere to and to think about. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's interesting because even with your Tony nomination, the headline for it all was the first transgender Tony nominee, mm-hmm. which as as like a marketing guy, I can understand why that is the headline. But as a human, what did that feel like for you? Because I'm imagining with my anxiety and insecurities, I would get in my head where I'm like, okay, well, did this only happen because I'm transgender? Do I actually deserve this? Now I have to do all this press where I'm talking about this, blah, blah, blah. I would drive me crazy. I mean, there was certainly... There were certainly the moments of I I certainly hope that the reason I'm not not I that I'm nominated is not simply because I'm trans. Mm-hmm. But also I've been in this business 20 years and I've busted my behind to do the best yeah. work that I know how to do and I know I'm fucking talented. So like yeah. I know that like even if for some reason the reason that I popped up on that screen is because I'm trans, it's that I know I do have the chops to be in that category. I do have the yeah. chops to back mm-hmm. up the thing that I'm being talked about for because I've worked really hard to to like to get them. I've worked really hard and beat myself up over the years to be in a certain kind of shape that I feel okay about. And mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always going to be my worst critic of all. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I'm when people ask my opinion of things, I'm I am very opinionated and very much kind of a snot about certain things. But if, but what I put out when I, when I, when someone asks my opinion of something else, that on myself is like tenfold. So the nomination to me was something that I dreamed could happen one day and hoped would happen one day. So the, whatever reason I ended up being there, it was like, I've worked really hard. And so I, Mm -hmm. I belong there. I do Mm -hmm. think that like that, 
being diminished to just being an identity was certainly a factor in my head and and is always a factor in my head because we are in a period where so many people are interested in trans people and trans stories and let's be, I don't want to say woke, but it's, you know, let's be conscious of the people around us whose voices are not being heard. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think in some ways it's let's be conscious of those people as long as it's not inconvenient. It's Mm. let's be conscious of the voices who are not heard as long as they are convenient, as long as being conscious works within the the boxes that we needed to work in. What we're trying to do. Right. But if there is any sort of pushback or question or or going around that, mm, maybe we need to sort of silence that off for a moment. Because that's a whole nother storm to go through when Mm -hmm. all of a sudden people are recognizing your work and there's cameras in your face asking you to talk about not only your experience, but the show you're in and what it's about and what you, what your part is. And and in my case, how does it feel to, I mean, it just even feels weird to be like making history. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, I don't know how it feels. And you have to do all that and your show at night. And your show. And I'm like, I don't know how it feels to make history. I'm just trying to like put one foot in front of the other and like, be okay. Like I, <laughs> I can't just try to get through the show tonight. I, can't about that. I have to sing. I have to do this show again that like people don't actually understand what I'm doing in the show because we're so together for so much of it. They don't understand like the demand individually of what we're doing. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. there, I think that's the thing that's very tricky about a strange loop is that you see these, these people all together moving like a unit in so much of it. But you don't know what these individual demands are on each of those pieces inside the unit. And for me, vocally, my track is a beast to get through. Like, it's a lot. And, like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I think that there's this, there's this world of people that will be like, oh, well, you know, if, if Al Morgan goes out, you could just throw in this insert, you know, insert famous trans person. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. if you knew what I was having to sing in this show, you would not be so quick to just throw random names into the pot. Cause you'd have to actually know that they could sing the track. It's a lot. And like, it's, it's written in a way that like (laughs) when you're in development and you're doing it for two weeks or a week at a time, you're like, yes, I can just (laughs) lean in. It's crazy. But then when you're like approaching show 200 and you're like, Oh, I can barely speak. <laughs> My throat is raw. Like it's like you, 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 you. I, I think it was uh, Andrew Rannells who was like in the Book of Mormon workshops. He kept raising the keys because he didn't want to get replaced. And then having to do it every night, he was like, fuck me. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's funny because I was like, I definitely develop work very differently now. Like working on another project, <laughs> like working on another project, I remember them being like, here's this, we're going to work on this key. And I was like, let's take it down. And they were like, oh, I was like, no, no, she's a little older in this section. We're going to take it down again. Let's just make it really warm and rich in the bottom. And I was like, because eight shows a week, I would kill myself having to be like holding up this thing. Like, like I'd rather you get to know me and know that like, keep a lookout. Like there's, there's, there's more in store. There's, cause I don't yeah. get to even like, it's a show where it's like, it's so, it's so interesting because it's like, it's. You, I never would, I never would have expected like a that my Broadway debut and that like mm. my like Tony nomination would come from a piece that I emotionally certainly um, tied to, but that I, 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 you actually only get like a like a drop of what I do in the show. Like you, mm. you it's not, it's not. It's not something I feel like I'm really like, oh, this is a showcase for Ellen Morgan. This is a great, like, show. It's like, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. Like, in a lot of ways, it's, right. I, I, I'm doing a lot of work. 
but not in a way that you're getting to actually see the like what makes you you as an actress. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a lot, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's wearing us down. It's like we're really doing a whole lot, but it's all really in service of of Usher. And so even mm-hmm. in and even in the standard like sort of featured actress or even or featured actor situations, like, you know, there's we're not given names. Where, where you get to yeah. live with us through the whole story and really see us get to flesh things out. We're sort of, we're sort of changing on a dime through things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, it's, it's a lot of work, but you don't get a lot of time to focus on us individually in that way. And when you do, when you find the things that pop out and the things that are interesting, sure. But the only one that really gets that kind of focus is Jam in the show, who has like, I always say Jam has like a one act in the show, basically. Um, yeah. But like, yeah. th- and that's the track that sort of gets the most fleshed out. But like, it's it's tricky because I'm like, for me, like the other projects that are in development or that I've been working on, like almost every other reading or every other thing I've done, I'm like, all of these are the things that like, I could see someone being like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, this is what she They're does. They're the L. Morgan These show. Are like, yeah. or, or just something that really gives me a, a piece of steak on my plate. Because um, mm. <laughs> I think I've, I've, in so many ways, I've, I've, because we've gotten to live with the material so long, Sympathetic Ear has become my steak on a plate. But it's, it's me making a steak on a plate out of sort of two pages. <laughs> it's like me taking right. what, it's me taking what I've got and I'm going to make the best meal out of it that I can. Um, which is our job actually is, I mean, that's what actors do. That's what we're there for. But it's just, it's one of those things where like, you never imagine that the piece that you'd be introduced with or the piece that people, um, will start to know you from is one that you're like, oh, wow. Like it's, it's, it's an introduction. It's a really great introduction. It's a tease. Sure. Well, and in that, thinking about it in that way, your Tony nomination is even more impressive because it's like people were eating that steak that you made. You know what I mean? That's what the understudies said, actually. Really? That's actually something the, under, the understudies actually said that. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, you do realize you've gotten a Tony nomination for a, for a track that's like, <laughs> really like not, like on the page is like really simple. And like you've found lots of things inside of it that have made people recognize it and see it. And I was like, that's really yeah. cool of you to say. Thank you. I don't think, I don't think the, the public element of it ever became overwhelming for me. Because in some ways, I think I'm built to handle stress well. Mm-hmm. Just as a human, my natural sort of energy is sort of built to manage stress. Um, I think that it had, <laughs> through this process, it certainly has been like pushed to its limits where I've now understood, <laughs> oh, so that's the too much. But like, gotcha. But but I think for the most part, this, in terms of like media and that kind of a thing, I don't think it ever got like fully overwhelming for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because I also wasn't being, you know, I got to a point where they, I knew what they were going to ask me too. Right. And so I, it's more about me, you know, if, if and when this gets to happen again, this sort of media craze situation, and I certainly hope that it will happen again in some other project, yeah. that like, yeah. we will now be sort of past the trans questions and we can get to know Elle Morgan. Because that's the one yeah, thing that right. I feel like people go out just sort of constantly, oh, and trans, El Morgan and trans. Like, well, but y'all, like, like that's literally one color. And like, if you actually took a little bit of time to get to know me, there are, so there are a lot more colors to that, to what that means. Yeah. And if you get to know El totally. Morgan, you're going to get to know more about trans people too. Because mm-hmm. we're not all going to fit into the same thing that you keep seeing over and over and over again, that there are so many different narratives and so many different experiences. And if you get to know me, I'm not sort of, 
I'm not a lot of what society sort of deems that you should know about trans people. I'm, I, I have a lot mm. of different colors. Um, mm-hmm. And like, sometimes that makes me feel a little bit like odd and weird in the mix. Mm. But like the things that we see so often are certainly truth for so many people and should be paid attention to. But mm-hmm. like any group, no one wants to be diminished down to just a single adjective or two right, or a yeah. single experience. And the sad two. ones at that. And it's always. Which is why I think both experiences ones. are right. important to see. And yeah, be told, you know what well, I mean? We have to see both of those sides. I think that the younger the interviewers are oftentimes also, the less that that focus is like the less that being mm-hmm. trans is the focus. Because I think young mm-hmm. people are a lot more like, so what? Okay, yes, and. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, they're Talk like, all right. the oh, E sure. that you're singing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. El Morgan, you are an actress, a brilliant actress, but you have so many other creative interests and things going on about you. First of all, you're a photographer. What, did your photography predate your acting career? No. Okay. I was acting and and building a project, a show, a musical, and figured I needed something that could just be mine. Mm. Something that people's opinions did not matter with and that I could just put ever what, I could say whatever I wanted to and just put it into space and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I bought a camera and put the camera on manual and left it. Taught yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Something that's really interesting is through the process of transition for me, I sort of lost a lot of the things that I used to do because I was so focused on just soul searching and getting to know me and figuring out things. And like, I wasn't focusing on the things that I had been so much before. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I used to put together and direct readings of things all when I first moved to New York city, once I was actually in New York city and not touring, um, I was able to like, I was always putting together projects. I was writing constantly and like I'd get together people and we'd rehearse it and then we'd do it in a practice room in front of sort of an invited group. Like I was doing a lot of directing and producing in some ways on my own. And like over the past like two years or so, I've started to tap back into who she was. And I'm like, girl, like you, you, you know, the, one of the reasons why you're drawn to people like the Shonda Rhimes and the Lena Waits and the, you know, mm-hmm. oh my God, insecure, insecure, insecure. I can't think of her name. Issa Rae's. And like, so when you're, you've been drawn to these people also because girl, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. You just have not, you have not been flexing those muscles. You have not been like really nurturing those elements of yourself. There are things that you want to say that like, you used to be so much more adamantly like putting stuff on paper, getting people together, getting a room, figuring it out, producing it, paying for it, casting it. Like you would do all the pieces and do the thing you wanted to do, even if nobody that you knew was there to really, even if nobody that were movers and shakers were there to see it, you were creating things and putting it out. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to like more fully step back into that woman where I'm actively making actively saying the things I want to say, be it as a director, be it as a writer. And how do you see, how do you see that balancing with your acting career? Is there a world where you move strictly into directing and producing, or do you always see it kind of being hand in hand? I always see it hand in hand Um, because they are, they are things that I have to be, they both feed me in different ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the projects that I direct I, I can't want to be in them. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. So for me, it's like there are things, if I can be separated enough from it to know that like I can help guide someone through this or a group of people through this thing, that's going to help me. I do think in terms of like television, mm-hmm. the the big dream one day is certainly to be able to do some direction on television and be able to be in the thing because it's it's more access. It's a little bit more accessible that way because you can just look at the takes and sure. see that it's been working the way you want it yeah. to. Um, and with theater... There is a project, for instance, that I'm going to be directing a reading of that I will be in, but I'll have a really strong AD there whose eye can be on the thing as well. Mm -hmm. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Ideally, I can't can't see myself just doing one or the other. Gotcha. I I have to always do both. Yeah, I think that's great too, though, because I feel like especially like in in theater even more so than in like TV and film, I feel like there is that pressure that like you have to be like, an actor or a singer or a director. Whereas like in TV film, I feel like you're saying there's that room where you see like written by Barbara Streisand, directed by Barbara Streisand, produced by (laughs) Barbara Streisand, starring Barbara Streisand. (laughs) But it's Uh like, you don't get that opportunity in theater. And so I just love, I love anytime somebody says like, no, like I, these things all exist in me at the same time and I don't have to do one of them at a time. I can be all of them. Yeah. And they help. The thing is they help you in the different areas. They help you dissect, they help you dig into things. How I think about things, I feel my way through projects. I'm, I'm good on my feet in projects. There are people who who will come to the table with this really, you know, a notepad full of notes and, and breakdowns on what this person's, you know, it is and this person's <laughs> way of thinking. And they, they, like, I'm not that human. I'm like, I'm going to look, I'm going to look at the script and then feel my way <laughs> yeah. through it. But I'm, I'm not going to have, you know, a notebook full of notes and of reflection of who this person yeah. is. Because to me, it's like, is that on the page? If this is, if this, if this is a play, why am I writing a novel about who this person is? Like they're on the page, right? It's all in the in the in the text. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's true. Sometimes we sometimes sometimes we can be a little full of ourselves. I'm like I. I'm here to tell, I'm here to give, this I'm story. here to breathe life into your yeah, words, yeah, yeah. into your words. I'm not being credited as a writer here. So why am I writing a novel about who this person is? I'm going to give you what is on right. the page. Let's talk right. about that. When I have questions, I'm going to keep rereading the play right. so that I can have them answer. And like, look, that's how some people work. I totally get that. But just, it's just, it's just never been the case for mm-hmm. me. And maybe I'm a little bit obnoxious that, like, when people show up to the table with, like, oh, yes, Mm. I've been doing my homework on this person. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, wow, well, maybe I'm just a really bad student because I have nothing here and I have no notes in my script. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I have my, I just highlighted these things today (laughs) in rehearsals for three weeks. So, so maybe I'm just not a good student. Um... (laughs) But but what I will find is the truth. <laughs> oh my god, that's very insightful. Um, okay, so to wrap things up, we like to ask every non-wicked guest, "What is a career road not taken?" I mean, look, I'm always wanting to do that dot moment in Central Park with George. Right. Um, but for me, like that is something that. I become more ready for, quite frankly, by the day. Like I think, I think I sort of understand things a little bit more. Same, same with Audrey and Little Shop. Like, like the, it's one of those types of things where I feel like I, you know, I I understand elements of that thing a little bit more sort of the older I get in some ways. Um, okay, so sun, uh, Dot and Sunny in the Park with George, dream role. Dot and Sunny in the Park with George, 
That is certainly a dream role because I, I just think it's interesting. Cause I, so I've talked about this before with folks in that, like I would love to do it. And like, quite frankly, even more, I'd love to do a film version of it mm. because I just think it would be really lovely on film to see like the, the really intimate elements of that story mm. in like a space that is not a theater um, mm. to see, we don't belong together. Like, like, with a beautiful cinematographer and a beautiful, like, orchid, like, everything under it, like, yeah. oh. And I think, like, in my dream world of doing that kind of project, what would be most important is that the director of the piece and the team who are putting it together are invested in simply doing Sunny in the Park with George and not turning it into some, now it's the, mm-hmm. you know, queer rainbow version. It's like, <laughs> no, like, yeah. <laughs> just having me do dot does not change what this story right. is. It adds, it might add a color if someone knows that I am trans and knows that I might bring a slightly different experience to who Dot is, but the reality is, is Dot has a baby, y'all, so I I, I am, I would be playing a cis yeah. woman, and so it does not change the story. I would just get to do mm-hmm. it. And I think I would, I'd love to do it on film, so I could really, really do it and like really go into a studio and record the hell out of that score mm-hmm. and then get into the space and do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would just be that's a dream, dream for me in a lot of ways. That's, that's, that's a dream. It's a one dream. of them. Um, yeah. I mean, the dream, dream project is something that I am sort of kind of constantly working on. That's a project that I've developed. Um, it's a piece called Madam, okay. and it takes place takes place in the early 1900s, late 1800s, in in uh, Louisiana, um, in New Orleans, and is sort of this story about a man who meets a woman who works in a brothel, and sort of how their relationship and their love stands the test of time. It's an epic, epic, epic musical that I started working on in 2003 and what's crazy about it is like it's one of those pieces that I think is like it's funny how art imitates life and that I said I wanted to build some kind of vehicle where I because I was like there's nothing in musical theater that I just get to simply like be Mm. and just like have that moment where I'm just exposing it all and I said the only way that I could do that without having people ask questions about why I'm doing the kind of material I'm doing and why I'm singing the way I'm singing and why I'm living this life in this way is if this character is a trans woman. Mm. I said that, I mean, like... In 2003? 2003. So, so many, so many years before I even, like, started talking about gender personally. And I kept saying, like, I don't know where this story is coming from. It's, like, pouring (laughs) out of me. I just feel like, I feel like I'm a vessel. (laughs) I don't know where this is coming from. I just feel like there's something in the universe that's, like, really sending this story through me. And, like, I'm just so excited about it. Like, girl, like, you were literally writing yourself into a show. Like, there was a point over the pandemic Mm -hmm where I recorded a song for this Playbill, this sort of Playbill, like, uh, event concert situation. Yeah. And it was, I think it was like a, like a women's empowerment kind of a concert or something. And I was like, I'm going to do a tape of this song from Madam. Mm. And Dana then reposted it. And like, both of us were like, this is the first time you've done this song where you've been fully yourself. Mm. And like, it's the first time that like this song that was 
built like for you to get to just be and thrive. And in the call, the song is called some kind of happy. And she's like, I, like, I deserve to be some kind of happy. I deserve all these things that I've told myself that I would never get. I would never be able to be those things. And I have to have them. And I never believed before that it was possible, but now I know like that I can get those things and I, I can be some kind of happy. It's just, it was really like, it's like touching to look at the video now and be like, in 2003, this is what you dreamed that that would be. But like, you never realized all the pieces that needed to come together for it to actually breathe. It's wild because like I said, 2003 is when I started it. And like who she was in 2003, as opposed to who she became as we developed, of course, has shifted a lot. Um, But I'm, I'm really excited about what that could be. Because to me, that would be the dream role of yeah. a lifetime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's an epic love the story. Steak. Like, it's an epic, epic love story. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it'd be the best steak. <laughs> oh, oh, Morgan, this has been so great. I adore you. Thank you for doing yes, this. Yes, thank you. It's been so fun. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Lee on Twitter, at I believe L Morgan underscore Lee. That feels right. I, I feel like I should know that, but I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like somebody has it. I, I want to reach out to the person that has my name and be like, "Can you please change yours?" Are they active? <laughs> I'll give you. I'll pay you. Can you please yeah. change it? Because you're not even posting. People do that. You do yeah. It. So there. And I, I have a TikTok account, but I I really just I really just go on TikTok to watch other people's videos. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so fun. Talk to you later. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Um, great convo with Miss L. Morgan Lee. Not only am I so happy that we had her on the podcast, but I'm so happy that we were able to talk with her about like the whole Strange Loop experience. Like it wasn't just talking about like the Broadway run of A Strange Loop and the the awards blitz and everything. Like getting to talk to her about the evolution of the show and her track within the show was such a treat because I didn't know any of that. Backstory. Totally. I'm in. dying to hear that original opening number that she was talking about and the original oh God, sympathetic ear while she's lying in vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I just need like, I would love to have like a library of Congress, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's just like a bootleg or like an official recording, I guess, of like every iteration of every show. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know what I mean? So that you can go back and see, like, oh, okay, like, this is where a strange loop started. And then, like, a year in, this is where they were. And then this is where they got. I'd love to do I think that, that for every show. that can be the nonprofit show. that you start, Kevin. The, the Library of Congress. The, Kevin's Library the, of. The Sentimental Men Library of oh, Musical Record. That's kind of cute. Okay. Let's say that's when we're 60. Okay. Great. We'll get for you Kobe and Jordana. We'll. <laughs> We'll get them to help us with it. Hey, theaterly, that's our next yeah. project that we want to do. I just think El Morgan is such an interesting human being. And yeah. when you talk to her, and this is no Tino shade to actors, but it's like there's just so much more color there, I feel like, than the standard actor. Like there's a lot going on, and I could see her career kind of moving in a plethora of different directions. And I'm very curious uh-huh. to see what is next for her. Yeah, I agree. And I think she kind of touched on it a lot 
um, when she was talking about like all the press that she did during award season is it's just like, I think that we get to experience Elle Morgan as this like very color, like all of these different colors because like, I feel like we usually get more of an actor in a standard interview, but like how she's been saying is like, she's kind of reduced back into like a singular identity in a lot of the interviews. And so Mm -hmm. to then like sit and talk with her, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm realizing all these new colors to you because they've not been shown to me elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mm -hmm. like when you sit down with like, Stephanie J. Block, it's like, we know Stephanie, we love Stephanie. Stephanie's got a hundred gazillion interviews that we can watch. Mm-hmm. And she feels like, you know, we feel you like we still make know her, her sit down and more. talk about freaking Wicked the Musical with us. We sure do. <laughs> no, and I think that's interesting. And when we were talking about the Angelica Ross conversation about how now when Angelica does press, she can kind of not have to talk about that identity as that, like, that doesn't have to be the main focus is her being trans. And uh-huh. hopefully... Al Morgan kind of did that circuit with this big press explosion around the Tony Awards and a strange loop and all this stuff. And the next big project can be centered around her. Yeah. And I was thinking too, it's like, um, even like, like the, even just the, the Tony nomination is it's like, it was always, this is the first Tony nomination for an openly transgendered actor. It was never, this is Elle Morgan's first Tony nomination. It was always about, it was the first for the group, not just mm-hmm. the first for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I also hope that we get to move into a place now or that she gets to move into a place now in her career where like she herself is the, the main attraction. Totally. And like, I don't know, I just love listening to her talk. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I love, she said something, um, I don't remember in what context, I think it was towards the end, but she said, I literally wrote it down in our notes because I want to remember the phrase. She said, if my heart can't be in the room, I probably shouldn't be there either. And I thought that was one of the wisest things I have ever heard somebody say. Put it on a post-it. I'm going to cross stitch it onto a pillow that's At work, we have this thing merch. where whenever anyone says something like insightful or funny, we like put it on a post-it and now we just have this like wall of post-its. We talked about it in the interview where I was like, were you kind of just going to take whatever could get you to Broadway or were you being intentional? And I thought it was interesting that she was like, no, I wasn't going to go to Broadway with something that I didn't believe in. And I think that's very admirable. Right. And... I don't know if I would do that as an actor. I think if I was an actor, which is maybe why I'm not an actor, I would be like, whatever, whatever gets me to Broadway, let's do it. Yeah, right, right, right. But I definitely think it's more honorable to only move with projects that you believe in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and something that struck me through our whole conversation with her was like, she kept saying like, oh, well, like I'm very specific or I'm very particular or I'm very intentional. And it was like, yeah, like that really reads as it's like, every hat she tries on, it, almost like she knows it's going to fit already. Like she's not going to try it on if if it doesn't look like it's going to fit. And I like think that that's... that's he, right. Like, and it feels like she, even when she's talking about like her dream projects and the stuff that she has in development, it's like, oh, but it's because she knows that she has something to bring to each of these. It's not just like, let's see if I can pull this off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wait, Quincy, I have a question for you, because I know you asked Elle Morgan, like, her experience during, like, the press blitz of the Tony era. Mm -hmm. Um, As somebody who was also around and very active in that press blitz, like, do you feel the same way as her, like, like that the show was kind of spiraling around her in the middle? Or do you feel like, I don't know, like, what was your experience during the, the Tony press blitz with 
with her. Oh, I think early on when all that press split started happening, I think it was when they were recording the cast recording, we were talking and she had mentioned that she doesn't mind press and like enjoys it. And I do think I saw that throughout this whole thing where like there was never that situation where she was pulling an attitude and was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't need to blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, which I think is very admirable because it is like a lot of work. I think when people look at all of this press stuff, it can seem like obviously you're going to say yes to every ask you get because why wouldn't you want the press? Why wouldn't you want to be out there? But one, right. I think it gets to be a lot just time-wise. And two, you're having essentially the same conversation over and over again because I think for the most part, standard press outlets and Broadway press outlets are asking the same questions and they're getting yeah, it to their different about the audiences. Yeah, but you're just like regurgitating the same thing. So I do right. think it can be a lot. Um, uh, which I think hello. is a take that bleaching I've been able- my teeth. How many times do we hear the bleaching my teeth story? It's just like oh, sure. <laughs> news outlet wants a, wants an answer, and eventually you learn what the cute answer is, and then and what gets the reaction, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was like a take that I was able to develop while kind of having like a closer view of what it is like to have to do mm-hmm. all of this press all the time, and how exhausting it can be to then do all that and then have to go do your show. Like, it is really right. crazy. I can't imagine. Especially that show for the six of them is, like, nonstop. Because right. Usher truly doesn't leave the stage the whole time, except for periodically. I think they worked in, if he needs to leave for the bathroom, he yeah. can do that. But the thoughts are also on stage all the time. And if they're not, then they're off stage, like, changing to get back on stage. Right, you know right, I mean? right. It's a busy, busy show for all of them. Everyone go see a strange loop if you haven't. It's a good show. Um, yeah, it's a great show. El Morgan's doing really great work in it. Uh, we mentioned it in the interview, but every time she sings in the show is like... A breath of fresh air isn't the right terminology, but it, it's like... Her voice cuts through the rest of the cast, mm-hmm. I feel like. Like, it, totally. even when she's in a group, like, she's just got one of those voices that you can... Right. It, it just hits you different. I am excited for the next role that's a full stake, though. I will say that. I can't wait to hear what it is. For our dedicated listeners, Dear Kevsey and Quincical is a segment that we do where we answer listener questions in this theaterly era we are moving those to the bonus episodes tbd mm-hmm. on the real details mm-hmm. of that because the current quincy doesn't know the real details of that but just know that we are moving those to the bonus episodes so if you would like for us to answer one of your questions please feel free to send us a voice memo and or email to sentmenpod at theaterly.com new address we want your questions and your topic suggestions etc Mm-hmm. via voicemail see you when we see you bye auntie bye auntie <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to sentimental men from theaterly this episode was produced by quincy brown kevin bianchi and the team at theaterly thanks to anthony abitangelo the most swankified podcast editor in town and another thanks to michaela reynolds for making us look downright osmopolitan in our new key art and to julia demarzo for our logo design if you want to get in touch send us an email we love to hear from you all you can reach us at sentmenpod at theaterly.com that's t-h-e-a-t-r-e-l-y you can also connect with us across social media on instagram twitter and tiktok at sentmenpod thanks for tuning in Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. Wait, that's fun. We should talk to Theaterly more as we record these episodes. Now, I know. Like, can we call them Daddy Theaterly? Daddy Theaterly. Like Daddy Warbucks? Here's the thing. Though, daddy I, it does, like, it doesn't uh, work as much. Theater I know. not like a daddy work. to me. They're kind of like a... They're like the rich aunt that gives you some um, money before she leaves at Christmas.
Let's just refer to them auntie. as auntie moving forward. We'll ask auntie if, she, Maybe if she'll auntie pay can for, do it. That for us. That's kind of funny. <laughs>